Welcome to the Mission of Truth podcast, where Super Bowl champions Nick Foles and Chris Maragos dive deep into the trials and victories that are behind all of the lights. Here's your hosts, Nick Foles and Chris Maragos. Hey guys, this is Chris. Today's show is presented by Compassion International. And right now, you can help be a part of a great program called Fill the Stadium. As 70,000 kids are in need of basic essentials like food and medical care. Join Nick, myself, and Compassion to help release children from poverty. Check out the website, fillthestadium.com for more information. Today on our show, we welcome Jordan Matthews. He started at Vanderbilt University, setting the all-time SEC record for career receptions and career receiving yards, was drafted in the second round of the 2014 NFL Draft by the Philadelphia Eagles, where he was teammates with Nick Foles and I. And here today, we welcome NFL receiver Jordan Matthews. Jordan, how are you doing today, my man? Doing good, bro. Uh, uh, it's good, just good being able to catch up with one of my guys, bro. Usually these podcasts I do are a little bit more uh, – a little more professional. We can let our hair down a little bit. That, well, look, you have hair. I don't have hair. So <laughs> I, I'll just, <laughs> what, I will just do it in spirit. I'll do it in spirit with yeah. you. So. <laughs> Sound good. <laughs> uh, it's good, man. No, it's, it's, it's good to hear you. Glad to have you on the show, man. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about growing up, man? I know you grew up in Alabama. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, probably don't know what that's like. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Yeah, man. So growing up uh, in Alabama, you know, uh, small town, Madison, usually I just tell people I'm from Huntsville, uh, just mm-hmm. so they might understand, like, okay, I at least kind of know the vicinity of where he grew up. But for the most part, man, I spent a lot of time in Alabama, and my family's also from Mississippi. My parents made at Jackson State. So so we were literally, in the summers, we spent a lot of time in Mississippi, and then the school year, we were in Alabama. But for the most part, man, just a small family. My, my parents drove uh, um, being involved in church and making sure we took care of our education. Uh, they took that really seriously. Um, and then sports, you know, I had one older brother. So that was my, that was my cornerback. That was my, uh, ISO, uh, in basketball. That was my pitcher <laughs> in baseball. You know what I mean? So it was just both of us going against each other, you know, our whole lives, man. And, uh, and, and we, so we, we always made sure we competed in the household. We, we played everything from, you know, two-on-two basketball with our parents to scrabble, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was just that type of atmosphere where we just uh, grew up around a lot of love, a lot of competition, wouldn't trade for anything. Do you feel like having an older brother kind of helped you excel in just your process and just, you know, being able to excel at a young age and kind of love the sport and kind of make you tougher? Yeah, yeah man, you know, I, I will say this, you know, my brother, uh, one thing that he he was very instrumental in my life was um, – one area was just, man, work ethic. You know, mm-hmm. I, a lot of people mess with my mom because, you know, I'm the only person taller than six foot in my house. My dad's right at six foot. You know, some 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 will say he's 5'11", but with Air Force Ones on, he's six foot. But he'll tell you he's <laughs> six foot barefoot. You know what I mean? Yeah, then you got my mom sure. who's like 5'5", five, five, maybe 5'4". Five, my brother's about 5'9". Nah, I'm 6'3". So people will always ask my mom, you know, how tall is the male man? You know, they, they got jokes. You know what I mean? <laughs> she, she a good woman. She a good woman. So it mm-hmm. was all genetics, man. And, uh, but my brother, like I said, he stopped growing at about five nine. So everything he got, he had to work. He had to work his butt off for. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, he wanted to get bigger, so he started uh, doing fifty push ups and fifty sit ups every single night. They end up growing to a hundred, you know. And then I remember he saved us some money, bought himself a pull up bar, put that in his bedroom door, and every time he walked in and out of his bedroom door, he would do about ten pull ups because he was trying to beat the pull up record at the school, which was twenty nine. 
he ended up beating and he got 30. So the one thing I learned from him was like, man, you got to go the hard route if you want to achieve something. Me, mm-hmm. I kind of had natural height, a little bit more mm-hmm. natural ability. So I would think I was being successful when I would go out and play a good game, but really I was just relying on all of my God-given ability. I was not actually working to actually better myself. And I could fool everybody else because the rest of the people, they only see me on game day or at practice. Now, who's this, you know, tall, lanky kid that's got a little bit of speed, you know what I'm saying, pretty athletic, but I couldn't fool Justin because he saw me at home. So he knew, nah, you ain't grinding. You're right. not working for that, man. Like, like that's not that's not real. Like, that, that's mm-hmm. not authentic. You got to really come out here and go get it if you want to be great at something. Um, so I saw somebody firsthand who had to earn everything he got, mm-hmm. you know, and and that really impacted me in a huge way. That's my dude, you know. Um, and it's it's just funny now, you know, when you when you play college sports and play, you know, in the NFL, your circle gets gets wide, right? Mm-hmm. But then over time. And I've been through some adversity late in my career. That's, mm-hmm. That circle starts to shrink a little bit. Yeah, and right. And it's just crazy, man. I'm back to like square one with a lot of my relationships. My brother's still right there, man. So, you know, shout yeah. out to Justin. But that was one of the biggest things he taught me, man, was that authentic work, that authentic work ethic. You know, I, so, I learned how to work like I was 5'9". You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. No, that's great. Yeah. So when, when did that transition kind of happen to where you obviously had the God-given ability but then when did that work ethic kind of click? Because for, for those of the people listening out there, Jordan and I and, and, and with Nick as well, you know, we were teammates in Philadelphia. And I can remember you doing jugs in the morning at like 6 a.m. You would yeah. be in there doing jugs or you'd be doing extra stuff or, uh, you know, extra stretching, different things like that. So the Jordan that I got to see as a professional uh, at the highest level had that combination of the guy given ability and the work ethic. When did those kind of come together and kind of meet? Yeah, so I would say the mental side was already kind of plugged in through my parents. So my mom, like I said, was big on education. In the summer, if we were going to the fourth grade, at the end of the last day of third grade, we, you know, you give you a little certificate, congrats, whatever. That next day, our mom would take us to this bookstore from hell, like, because nobody godly could have made this <laughs> bookstore. And she would go get the fourth grade reading comprehension, grammar, math, and word problems books. And we would have to do two pages in those books. This ain't even graded by a teacher. This is all my mom. We have to do those before we even had a chance to go outside in the summer. So early on, I started learning, like, you got to work before you play. You know, you got to put in that time before you're able to go and just do whatever you want to do. And then also I had the example. My dad always got up early in the morning. He'd go to work. He'd pick us up from school or it'd be vice versa. But I always saw the man in the house getting up, suit, tie you know, breakfast. All right, get up, go to go provide for the family. So I had the example, but then I also had um, somebody trying to sit there and and explain it to me. All I had to do is just now go through experiences and the experiences that I went through on my, on my own was one, watch my brother. That was big, but there was also this guy who was a trainer. His name's Andy McClure. He was in my wedding. I think you met him, Chris, uh, when you came to my wedding. You know, Andy came from a rough background, rough childhood, had a kid when he was 16, um, you know, was working at a goals gym. And he came to Madison Academy, this pristine Christian school. He's tatted <laughs> up, you know what I mean? Just an yeah. ultimate renegade, you know, yep. um, ultimate outlier, you know, in that type of setting. But our head coach and our administration, you know, brought him in um, to let him come train our, our football team. 
And Andy was just, he was no excuses, man. And he saw me cheating the game. And I just remember there was one day where he was telling us, you know, it was squat day. And I still don't like squats. So imagine how much <laughs> I like squats when I was, you know, 14 or 15. Yeah. And I wasn't going low enough. And so he sent me out of the weight room. And so I was like, cool, whatever. So I leave the weight room. And I'm like joking on Andy. I put like a penny on the ground. I'm like, look, this how, this how, you know, low Andy wants us to squat, man. We got to sit on it. I think I'm trying to be funny guy. Yo, yeah, I'll slip. Andy, and, and I'm sorry, you know, child services, don't, don't go snatch up Andy. This happened a long time ago. Andy comes in there. <laughs> And picks me up by my shirt and puts me in a locker. I really don't think at that point, I think his love for me and his want for me to just be great and stop wasting my talent overrode any rules. He right. put me in a locker and said, dude, if you keep acting like this, you're going to waste everything that God gave you. Man. Everything. And I don't Man. know what happened that day, but it just clicked. And I, I think it was just because I don't even know if it was like, I want to prove this guy wrong at this point now, or if it was just a positive, like, dang, he's right. But at that point, I said, this is never happening again. I'm never going to be wow. accused of not putting in the time and not wow. working. So at that point, man, I started flipping the switch, bro. I started doing the work that wasn't required of me. And that's when I really started to see my talent kind of take off. And then things started kind of floating together. Me and Andy, I literally had breakfast with Andy two days ago. Him, wow. his uh, his wife, and his adopted daughter. You know what I'm saying? Wow. They had they they actually celebrate his adopted daughter Kagan's uh, adoption day every year. They celebrate. This is a good man. Wow! And now wow. he's like one of my best friends. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow, that's amazing. You know, we all have those defining moments that where yeah, you know it's just that pivotal crossroad in our lives that we got to choose and we got to make those decisions that either set us on the right course or we veer off. Man, that's that's amazing. So you you go on to star in high school. You choose Vanderbilt University. Tell us what that was like choosing Vanderbilt. Why? And then, you know, your your college career, obviously you had a, a tremendous career, you know, all-time leader in, in, in catches and yards in the SEC history. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, man. So, um, honestly, man, I ain't choose Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt chose me, bro. <laughs> I have no offers, man. I, nobody ever got in Division One for my school, Chris. So, like, yeah. I only had uh, – I, I didn't have an offer from, shoot, Jacksonville State. Faulkner, Alabama A&M, uh, DeVry University Online. I have nothing, bro. And so this dude, Bradley Roby, who I think he's a, he's a DB now. I know he plays for – I know he's with the Texans for a while in the Broncos. But Bradley yeah. Roby was committed to Vanderbilt. And so he, he was signed in a class with four of the receivers. And at that point, Vanderbilt, they're very big on – maintain a high level of integrity when it comes to recruiting. I don't know about Wisconsin, you know, but, but Vanderbilt does. Uh, here we go. And here so, we go. And so, and so, <laughs> so basically he was one of the four and they say, you know, we're not taking more than four. They wanted to hold on that promise, even though I came into camp and had a really good camp and they liked me. Well, Bradley Roby ends up getting the offer from Ohio state. He, he decommits from Vanderbilt, takes up that offer and he decommitted around Christmas and that year of my senior football season, this after I'm done playing high school football, I had no offer. Oh, so you're done at this point. I'm done, and bro. I had no and offer. And this and signing day is like first at that time, like first it's, Tuesday, it's Wednesday of February. Yeah. So, so you're yes. late in the game. Late in the game, bro. No offers, bro. I remember I was in Publix and I saw this like coach from Alabama and then he has polo off. And I had one of my highlight films in the car. I ran to the car 
got it. I went and said, hey, man, my name is Jordan. I played at Madison Academy. Here's my highlights. So I handed it to him. You know what I mean? Like, yep. hit me up, bro. I, nothing. No callback. So I'm just thinking, like, at this point, I'm going to have to start sending out these, you know, transcripts. <laughs> you know, go to, <laughs> uh, and maybe walk on, you know. Um, yep. You know, shout out to the walk-ons. Shout Let's out go, to baby. the walk-ons. Hey. Hey, we on there, man. Let's go. So, so, um, but, but I was just kind of, you know, I had no offers, no nothing. But then the Bradley Roby thing happens. Coach Caldwell calls me on um, Christmas Eve after my senior football season and says, "Hey, man, we got a spot for you." I said, "Let me get it. I take it." And so that's it, bro. So I, I had the offer. That was my only opportunity to go play college football. Was at Vanderbilt. And um, I just I just work my butt off, man. Like, you know, I don't want to bore people with all the, you know, ins and outs because, you know, I, I, and plus I don't want to talk about myself that much. But, man, it was just a great experience. You know, I got to come here. You know, I met my wife here. Uh, I actually uh, proposed to her at the uh, at the place on campus that we used to go hang out at. I proposed to her there. Um you know, my uh, I, I got a condo now that's like nine minutes from the school. I'm helping volunteer coach right now here. Yeah. But man, I, just had, I had one of the best experiences I think that anybody could have in college. And I think it's just because I had nowhere else to look. There was no, oh, the grass is probably going to be greener over there if I would have just went right. there. This is right. my this is my only rodeo, man. I had one basket, so I had to watch these eggs. You know what I mean? Yeah, so for sure. I, I, think, uh, I think it was that, that attitude – I hate to use a cliche, but that attitude of gratitude really helped me. Sure. So I was like, man, like, I was so thankful for the opportunity that I knew uh-huh. I was going to make the most of it. Yeah, and you capitalized, and capitalized yeah. you did, man. All SEC yeah. receiver, all American. I mean, the list goes on, man, just highly decorated player. So at what point did you feel in college then? Obviously, you choose Vanderbilt, you go on, you have a great career, uh, just amazing career. At what point did you start feeling like, okay, the NFL, this, this, this might happen? Might happen. Yeah, man. So we, a kid asked me this actually the other day, one of the players. Uh, so, so we were going to play Florida and this, like, you know, Florida, DBU changes every year. Sometimes it's, you know, LSU, <laughs> sometimes Clemson. These young kids, they'll claim. Well, that, well it changes DBU. every year depending on who you ask. Right? <laughs> depending on who you ask. Yes, bro. You know what I'm saying? Some kids, yeah, you know. some dude at, at Utah, like, we DBU. I'm like, no, you're not. Oh, yeah. For, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, but at that point, DBU was Florida. I think pe- yep. people can pretty much say that Florida had a good run with DBs, you know, and I think they still are having a good run. But that season, they had not allowed a receiver to go for 100 yards at all. Is this, is this your junior year? This is my year? sophomore It's my sophomore so, year. Sophomore, it's my okay. sophomore year. And so the, the week before, I went for my first 100-yard game in my career. I went for 130 in a touchdown versus Arkansas. They were number five team in the nation, but I was like, okay, you know, it was a good game. But at the same time, it's like, you know, Michael Jordan said, anybody can do something once. You know what I mean? Right. They yeah. Keep doing it. And so – we're going to Florida. They ain't let a receiver go for 100 all year. Mm-hmm. I ended up going for 170 and a touchdown in the swamp. And Ooh. I think on the bus that day, I was kind of like, you know, I think I can, I think I can do this can at do the it, next yeah. level. And, um, and then that offseason, Bleacher Report had this, like, article that came out. And it was, like, top 50 receivers in college football. Mm-hmm. And I was number 43. And I ain't never been on no list. You know what I mean? Right. Like I've never <laughs> been on. I'm like, who's watching me? You know, right. who are these people putting these right. lists together? You yeah. know, and so somebody, you know, some of these kids might be upset, like, oh man, 43, man, they sleeping on me. I was like, man, they wide awake. 
Yeah, <laughs> like they, right. they see me. Wait, wait till this year, you know. Yeah, and exactly. So, and so then I just kept kept improving. Uh, went to thirteen hundred my my uh, junior year. Came back my senior year to finish my my degree. Uh, I wanted to have a take a shot at uh, getting to the SEC championship. We fell short. We almost had the first. My last two years, we came just short of ten wins. We had nine wins. So. Uh, we were trying to be the first team to ever go for 10 wins since World War II at Vanderbilt. So, yeah. you know, and we literally it's just missed Great it, academic bro. school, man. Great, great academic school. school. You know, <laughs> hey, man, you know I, look, every I, – Y'all I, right I, I football believe, team, I believe, I believe yeah. success is what is hey. making the most with what you have. Hey. And so hey, that's, hey, we, look, we made the most of what we, we have. Wait, we don't want to hear that, bro. We get 10 win seasons at Wisconsin all the time. So, <laughs> oh, my, you play, what, y'all play what in the big what? I don't even know the uh, Are y'all big even playing 10, baby. right now? Y'all big couldn't 10. wait to quit. Y'all couldn't wait, oh, man. All right. <laughs> the pa- pandemic, y'all like, oh, pack it up. <laughs> hey, if, if, hey, if you ain't playing, I mean, you ain't losing, so we're winning right now. <laughs> oh, I guess oh, so. Man. I guess so. Uh, <laughs> SEC, you know, we were rolling, man. Hell or high uh, water. They're like, we, we, we put that football down. But, yes, uh, but yeah, played, man. Right? Yeah, so basically, though, but that was really that was really it, though, man. 1,300 my junior year, and then my senior year came back. Went for 1,400 All-American. I think mm-hmm. at that time, I ended as the active leader in receiving yards and catches in college football. And yep. so – that was, that was a good mark to leave on. I always would t- – and I tell these young guys now, you know, kind of to your point, honestly, is I tell them, guys, it's not good enough to be good enough at Vanderbilt. Yep. Like if, if that if, – if your mindset is you get a starting spot at Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. you know, and you think that you're nice just because now on campus people, you know, they recognize you a little bit, you know, you get a couple extra retweets when you say something, you're, 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 you're foolish, you're blind, right? Yep. Um, I got this guy named David Goggins that I listen to a ton. He talks about detesting yeah. mediocrity because you can be looked at as great being very mediocre in this world now because mediocrity gets praised a lot of times, you know, yeah. in certain realms. And, and and the problem with the place like here is we constantly have to tell kids, yo, the real, the real bar is coming in yep. the season every Saturday. These are the guys that are going to NFL. No guy, nobody goes to LSU. No receiver yep. goes to LSU and says, man, I hope I can start at LSU. Yep. Once I start at LSU, I'm good. No, they're like, I'm trying to be the best in the nation. Right. And so I'm trying to instill that mindset into the young guys here now as I kind of help out. But that was where my mind got to, and, and it really took me places. Yeah, well, I think that's good for anybody listening out there, mate. We talk about greatness all the time. Greatness yeah. isn't just where you're at or what's currently yeah. around you. It's where you got to be going to. So always yeah. having that that faithfulness within where you're at to put the hard work and to do those things, but always having a goal and a mindset to think further ahead, but not to think too far, to not get too caught up in that, to not focus on the details of now, what you're doing right now. Right, exactly. right, right. You know, that's, and, and I see this a lot, man, because I had the privilege of playing, you know, in the pre-social media age, like before it really got big. I mean, you played before computers were around, so you really weren't <laughs> But me, though, you know uh, what I mean? Before uh, social media, you, you know, you would watch the, you know, you'd watch the NFL. Like, I want to be like that, but right. there wasn't. But it was like it seemed far off. So you still had to somewhat bring it back in. So I got to focus mm-hmm. on it now. Right now, there's two. Like I, like I see with a lot of young people that I spend time around, they spend all day comparing. So you yeah. know how hard it is to be in the moment when you're constantly inundated 
with yep. everything else that other people are doing. Not only are you seeing, you know, what Julio does on Sunday, right. Right. but you're also seeing what he does all week, what he's wearing, the car he drives, the girl yep. he's dating. So you don't know what to go after. Right. You know, for me, it was very clear cut. I was like, okay, Marcus Colston is a tall receiver that's right. good hands, um, consistent. Okay, I like his game. Jordy Nelson, another guy, kind of mm-hmm. makes plays downfield, consistent, great route runner, great team player. Okay, boom. Michael Crabtree, back when he was really balling with the Niners, that Super Bowl right. year. So I would just take those guys, ask my video guy, can you give me their full season? And I would watch them. That's the most yeah. comparing I would do is, right. hey, I want to try and make what I do out there look like what these guys are doing on the next level. Mm-hmm. Right. But now it's just so much, man, where I think it's so hard for young people to stay in the moment while also yep. being able to have that foresight like you're talking yep. about. So I'm 100% with you, but uh, I think we were very fortunate uh, that we were able to play in a time where that wasn't the case. Right. Absolutely. So you go from college to the NFL uh, for mm-hmm. those listening out there. Jordan and I actually got to Philadelphia at the exact same time. I left Seattle in free agency. I signed a three-year contract with Philadelphia. Jordan had just got drafted 42nd overall in the second round uh, of the 2014 NFL draft uh, with the Eagles. And we synced up kind of right there. Jordan, talk a little bit about you had great success early on in your career. What do you think was it that helped in your transition to go from college to make the jump in the NFL and to really have that impact right out the gate? Yeah, man, I I would say that playing at a place like Vanderbilt helped me a ton because I got used to to focusing on the things that mattered when it came to football. So, like, I learned very quickly playing at Vanderbilt. Like, I could go for 100 yards in a game Mm -hmm. and go on campus and not be treated like I was, you know – uh, God, big man on campus, you know, yeah, big exactly, man on right, campus. Yeah. Like right. that wasn't the case. People had stuff they had to get done, and right. even though when you play, sometimes that hype kind of builds up, especially depending on what city you you play in. You right. know very well it's it's fake. Like you used to always say, it's an imposter. Success and failure, are both imposters. And both only way to deal with them. Details, hard work. details, and hard work. exactly, That's exactly. It. And so. I I had to learn how to play for the right reasons. When you're a Vanderbilt, you only really play football for the right reasons because you know that even when the stadium gets packed, we had it packed out for certain games. Right. Okay, after the game, people go right back to doing what they normally do. So it's right. the perfect environment also, and we're going against the best in the country. So it's right. not like, oh, I'm learning this because I play in Conference USA. No, you're still playing the SEC. And right. so it taught me how to prepare for, for really good opponents it taught me how to always have to maintain an underdog mindset, to keep a chip mm-hmm. on your shoulder. It also taught me too, how to not worry about being, if you're trying to be the coolest dude on the field at Vanderbilt, just stop trying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, 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 like right, we, right, don't, right. we don't major in the swag department, but, right. but you can major in production. And mm-hmm. that's what I tried to do. So, you know, people always joke at me. I mean, you had no swag news at Vanderbilt. I said, you haven't had any yards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that, hey, that's real substance right there, right? It's real substance, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Peyton Manning's sleeves can have swag, but he got records. <laughs> you know, he got rings. And so I used, I think Vanderbilt going there helped put me in a mindset of, I learned how to focus on the things that matter. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's what helped me have early success, honestly. And then I got hitched up with a guy who came from a similar environment, Zach Ertz. 
And so whenever it was like, hey, let's go work. Oh, he's like, I'm already at the facility. Yeah. Hey, what time are you trying to do this? Oh, I'm there. Yep. You know, yep. so now I had a road dog that yep. was just as driven, yep. if not even more insanely driven. You For know, because sure. because I don't I don't take my foot off the gas. But at the same time, you can kind of, you know, we, we can we can go have a meal and you're like, OK, you know, Jordan's at this meal. You have a meal with Zach. He might as well yep. have his cleats on. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, that's real. Like, he ain't there with you, bro. He football, football all the time, bro. All day. Mindset, he's gonna be going time, over. Bro. He's going over the shorty route in his mind while he's, you know, yep. ordering the appetizer. <laughs> you know, so exactly. And, and, and so getting with guys like him, but also uh, I, I still remember. I got to tell this story about you, bro. You know, we. Uh, I remember like it was yesterday. Me and Marcus were sitting in our room, and you came by, and I was just like, man, who? Like, why does why is this vet? coming and spending time with us you know i'm thinking i gotta earn these guys respect like the and you without even caring about who i was or what i'd done on the field you just came and gave us real rap and that meant a lot to me because you told us nothing but the truth you know and if there's one thing i learned in the nfl the older you get that's all you want all you really want is somebody to tell you the truth from the gm to the coach to yep. you know, to staff, whatever, older players, like yo, just give me the real. Don't 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 piss on my back and tell me it's raining. You know what right. I mean? Exactly. Like like tell me what's going on. You you were willing to do that. And there was some stuff I I will admit I wish I would have heated more to, but <laughs> um but I really appreciate that though, man. I was really yeah. Nah, man. Hey, that's what it is, man. Look, somebody else did it for me. We do it for each other, man. I think no that's doubt. that's the best part about the brotherhood of the NFL. It's just a small group of guys and everybody wants to see people have success. And it's like, you know, there's so many obstacles in life, really any area of life, man, whether we're trying to go through the normal rhythms, whether we're in a job, whether we're in a sport, there's just so many things that we have to work through. So, man, just to have the opportunity to somebody maybe, you know, lend a hand to give you the opportunity. And then it's, it's on that person to take it. So if anybody's out there listening, man, the impact you can have by just sharing a few things and, you know, there might be somebody out there that's willing and able to listen. I I know that's what I wanted in my career. I just needed somebody to, man, just give me a few things to help me maybe not have to go down a certain road or waste time, you know, trying it a different way. Like, man, just help me out a little bit. And you know, that that's what's, that's what it's supposed to be about. And, sacrificing for those around you. If you want to have greatness around you, you got to be able to share hopefully the great things that you've seen others do. And hopefully yourself has done some decent things that you can then impart on other people to make the team better. Cause that's right. That's the only way you win is if everybody collectively is getting to better. And right. Uh, right. And I think one thing you did too, man, and, and this, this also happened a lot of times, you know, when, when we would get into like the Bible study setting or we would just even, you know, it, it didn't even take Bible study for us to talk about spiritual matters. You know, I, I appreciated the fact that you were also willing to, to be vulnerable in our conversation. You were willing to say, Hey, I'm, I made a mistake here. You know what I mean? And this is how you learn from it. You know, they always say the wise man learns from the mistakes of others. I think too many times people give advice from a place of self-righteousness, like, Oh, you got to do this. Or I did this. It's like, that's great advice, but that's like, that's like me, you know, only watching LeBron James, you know, to get uh, motivated to play basketball. It's like LeBron James, I don't have the same tools. You know, I would be better off learning from the dude who said, yo, I did, I messed up here, 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 but this is how I got better. 
This yep. is how, these are the mistakes I made. And yep. I think, you know, leaders like you, like guys who are willing to be vulnerable and they say, hey, look, I'm going to be honest. I was not perfect in this area, but this is how you do right because this is where I messed up. You know, I'll, I'll say this, you know, um, because you, this is the one advice that I really wish I would listen to you on. And I, I think a lot of guys are, are too prideful to say this, but it needs to be said. And I tell my young guys this here all the time. My guys play special teams and take it serious, you yeah. know, um, um, because I tell my guys, like, I love being here. I love helping out with the school, but I t- there's no way in on God's green earth that I would not be signed to a team if I play special teams. Sure. No right. way, you know, and, and I remember, you know, you would always say, join like, get on and get on it. But the thing was, it's like I came in, second round pick, playing, yeah. I'm getting these reps. So it's so easy to think, okay, yeah, what he's saying is correct, but I don't I don't have to, I need it. But you were trying to give me advice for now. Now, yeah. Later six on. years ago. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And right, so yeah. and so you can think, okay, well, that Jordan didn't heed my advice, so it didn't work. No, no, because guess what I'm doing now? I'm yep. paying it forward because mm-hmm. now I can say, look, the best special team, the, the MJ of special teams <laughs> Hardly, gave me bro. game. You know what I mean? Gave Hardly. me game. You know what I mean? Hardly. And so I'm now telling you, I've had my agent come to me and say, hey, uh, this last roster spot came down to you and another person. You've got 100 more catches, 2,000 more yards, 12 mm-hmm. more touchdowns, but he has some special teams tape. Boom. Right. So now – I've learned, okay, well, do you get bitter? You get better. You learn how to be a better teacher. You learn how to say, okay, gotcha. Boom, how can I help the next kid? Because I can tell the kid now, look, how many catches are you going to get in college? How many catches are you going to get in your first three years in the NFL? I didn't get all that. I think, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. You know, so so it's like, okay, so you do that, and I'm still telling you, take that wing spot seriously. Yep. Take this gunner rep seriously. Yep. I got my boy Cam Johnson here, who I think has a real shot. He's a really good uh, receiver for us, um, number seven out here. And, yep. you know, back there at punt return. Like, how do yep. you think Edelman is eating out here? You know what I'm saying? Yep. How do you think he really got that got that shot? You know, Wes Walker to all those guys, man. Yep. Punt return. Well, I think, too, you know, if, if, you're, if we're all honest, you know, the sum of parts of the team – you know, we place value. This is at least how I looked at it. We place value on, okay, you got the quarterback, you make an X amount, or we got the top DB or the linebacker, or the pass rusher. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, if everybody is faithful within their role, that to me is true success. Like right. we define success as in our culture by how many stats, uh, what role do you have on how visible it is for the team or whatever it might be. Right. But I think, I think a, a good thing, and really I've had to learn this really throughout my career too, man, is success is just being faithful with whatever your role is within your organization, your team, um, right. you know, your workplace, whatever it is, and just dominating that and being as faithful as you can and, right. and trying to help the, the overall sum uh, do its part by your little role as a, as, as a part of the team. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah man, that's, yeah. A, that's a good point. Anybody out there listening? I mean, man, that, that's what it's about, man. Just playing your role as well as you can and, and yep. trying to help yep. as, as best as possible. Yep. Uh, Davo Sweeney said it best. He said, bloom where you're planted. You know what I mean? It's like, right. okay, well, you know, the, the gardener plants, you know what I mean? So he puts right. the seed in the ground. So where God puts you, you have yep. no choice about that matter. 
But 100%. now at that point, hey, you got to bloom, man. You got to bloom where you're planted. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so, no, I hear you. Um, yeah, to that to that point, man. But but that that's just uh, you know. But to, if any of y'all NFL execs are listening, I can't play special teams. So you know, I got to put that yeah, he word can do out, it, bro. You know what I mean? I've seen him. I, I seen you at that right gunner spot, bro. What? Hit that bro. double. Hit the, Hit the double team, split, come in there, cross faced on, on the returner, made the play, all that. Bro, one rep, one tackle. I'm like, shoot, all right, we can do this. You know, what I mean? oh, release, but you don't got to make a tackle. You, ta- I mean, make a catch. All you got to do is tackle a dude staring up in there. All right, easy money. <laughs> That's it, right? Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about Compassion International. Nick, Tori, myself, and my wife, Sarah, we've been working with Compassion for quite some time and helping them release kids from poverty. And right now, the need is even more pressing than ever because of COVID-19. 70,000 kids have gone from hunger to starvation during this time. And we would love to invite you to help us end hunger in the lives of these kids. We'd like to have you come with us on this journey. And for that to happen, check out fillthestadium.com for more information. So, Jordan, you've had a lot of success early, early in your career, obviously high school, college, early career in the NFL. And then you've had injuries that have just happened, man. Unfortunate injuries. Yep. Tell us about just the contrast, man, and just how you've just dealt with, you know, the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows with injuries and just how you've been able to work through that and what's been going on, you know, even internally with you. Yeah. So I would say, you know, personally, um, I wouldn't say that I've dealt with it as well as I wish I would have. I think most people, they see like, the worst case scenarios of how people mm-hmm. sometimes cope with, you know, adversities. They'd be like, oh, no, dude, you're doing pretty good. You know, the family's still intact. You still were able to get your body back healthy. Your mind's good. You know, right. you ain't gone crazy. Um, but still, right. though, I, I know, you know, I know what God's called me to. And I know the standard of a man that he's called me to, to have the perspective of, okay, like, this is minor in the realm in, in, in the in the scope of eternity. This right. injury is is extremely minor. Maybe right. he's calling me to do what I was supposed to be doing anyway, which is spread the gospel, evangelize, be Christ in every situation I'm in. Maybe he's just calling me to be that in the training room now. Right. Like right. when you have that perspective, oh my right. gosh, dude, like you're on another level. And I'll be honest, man, my spirit was so was so uh, was so built up that I think the first couple times I got injured, that was where my mind was. I was like, I'm good. This is all, you know. Um, I think that when I got traded though, and was also dealing with injury and knew I had mm-hmm. a surgery that I had to get after the season, that's when I would say the inner man was just yep. crushed. Right. You know, my inner being was just like, dude, I was just so mad. I was angry at God. Like, you know, I, and I, and it was, yeah, was how'd you work is, through that? How'd you? Uh, yeah. So what's so what's crazy is up to that point, I had read. So I took in two years, I had read the Bible twice. Wow. This is when stuff was going good. Okay. Yep. So I read the Bible two times, and the hardest part is people don't understand when you when you actually um, come into the presence or actually find out who Christ is, you know Him to be real. One thing you like, you can do all this other stuff, but one thing you gotta do is you gotta respond to it. Right. There's no way you can. Either you gotta reject it, or you gotta accept it. That's really you gotta say, "I'm, I don't want this," <laughs> or 
The opposite is, no, this is true. And once right. it cuts deep into your spirit, no matter how much you try to run from it, it's like, no, this is the truth. Like, yep. I can't, I can't shake this. So yep. even though I want to go cope with this, you know, depression or this adversity by feeding the flesh or by, you know, going back to that sin that I would uh, go to, right. the, the hound of heaven sitting there like, okay, are you going to be the pig that goes back to a slob? Like, I'm better, like, come to right. me, you know? Right. And so, and that's why... I think the word talks about how when you go back to that sin, when you go back to that anxiety, it's the pig going back to his slop. You know what I'm saying? It's like the dog going back to his vomit. It's so nasty and you feel so terrible because you've come into the presence, but you're leaving Mm -hmm. it because you think, okay, the world's going to help me cope with this. The world's going to help me get through this. And so that is where I was. And that pig going back to slop and and that, that tug of war, Right. That's where I was, man. And it was one of those, it was a battle, man, you know, because at that point, you know, I didn't realize how much my body was an idol to me. I'd been healthy right. my whole high school career. I've been right. healthy off college. I missed yep. no games in college, high school, or my first two years in the NFL. Never had yep. surgery. None of those things. Yep. I did not realize how much my health was an idol to me. And yep. so when the injuries came and when that adversity came, you know, it was so easy for me just to blame God or to be like, okay, well, you know, he's not, he he doesn't care about me in this department. Okay. Maybe he doesn't care about football. You start letting those lies come in and you're Mm -hmm. still, you're still going to Bible study. Mm -hmm. You're still praying. You know, you're still doing all these things, but at the same time, the second you leave, Mm -hmm. it's like, are you living by it? Or does that thing that the world offer to help get your mind off of it or help you get through it, is that right. what you're really leaning on? And that was right. the that was the battle, man. That was the that was the the struggle. But thank God, man, you know, really before I had my first injury, I married uh I married my wife Shana. Yeah. And and having a real godly woman mm. in your circle and like not just your circle, but like literally by your side as your rib, like that. Right. That changes everything, you know, and, and I remember when, you know, I talked to uh, Kyle, Kyle Horner, pastor on uh, Cherry Hill. He would always mm-hmm. tell us uh, um, the key to every best, the key to a good relationship is forgiveness. And I used to think mm-hmm. in the communication, he's like, nah, people communicate forgiveness. Yeah. And, and it was so crazy because there were so many times that like, I would just tell Shana, okay, like, I'm good now. And I will still just keep worrying, continuing to, to, to go back and try and like think that the world was going to be able to help me get out of this. And she was so willing to always forgive me, to affirm me, to love on me, yep. to build me up. And so yep. that's how, that's how we've gotten through it, man. You know, and, and, and I will say this, man, the last three years uh, playing ball have, have been hard on me. They've been very, very hard on me. Coming back to Philly, you know, we had a good time. And that season was also, you know, um, we came up just short. We lost in the divisional round. But but still, man, you know, I would say going back to those two years where I stepped, where I said, I'm just going to read the word for what it says. Right. Dude, no matter how bad the last three years, I could not get away from God. Right. Because I had taken the time to read yep. the truth. Yep. So whenever I say, oh, well, you know, I couldn't 
I couldn't get away from it, man. Right. I could not, dude. I could not. Whenever I'd want to go back to something or, or feel sorry for myself or wallow in self-pity or say, you know what, maybe I need to focus more on football and stop trying to get these Bible studies going with my team. Like, maybe I'm wasting mm-hmm. time. Like, I couldn't sleep, man. You know what right. I mean? And, right. and And I'm like, you know, I heard this quote one time. It's like, man, I'd rather sleep good than eat good. You know, ah. and, and, and I sleep real good, man, when I'm in his presence, bro. Yep, like when I'm right. really abiding in his will, bro, mm-hmm. I sleep real good. And well, so that's, you know, where, be- that's where I've gotten to now. And that's that's a great place to be. And, and I know sometimes I fluctuate in and out of that all the time, yeah. you know, but yeah. but man, it's like that's what God's intended to be in that place in our yes. heart and that substance. Yes. Right. And yes. and when we're not putting them in those places in our hearts, we're seeking for the substance and the joy and the satisfaction of the things of this world that has it has to offer, whether it's our jobs or our spouses or, you know, money or things, right. all great things in the right context. But when we start putting those things to be our main thing where we need to be a place, God, man, we start getting, like you said, those depressive thoughts or those anxieties or, you know, life starts weighing down and crushing us. And, uh, man, that's, that's great that you shared that man, just yeah, man. how Christ crisis filled those areas. And, and I'll tell you what, these women are amazing. I mean, the wives yeah. we have, I mean, they've truly, truly, you know, for those listening out there, you know, everybody sees the players on, on Sundays, but man, the wives are the ones holding it together. And I know my wife, Sarah, she's held myself and my family together for so long. And Shana, I know you and so many countless others, you know, there's so many uh, great women behind these men. Uh, and I know Shana, your wife is amazing, man. She's yeah. truly is a special woman and, uh, you know, has allowed you to encourage you and, and, and to do the things you've been able to do. Yeah, man. And, and, and it's just, uh, you know, I think, I think a lot of a lot of guys who have gone through what I what I've gone through, you know, you you realize that uh, it's so funny. Uh, I think Charles Barkley said this. He said, "If you spend your whole time trying to get people that don't like you to like you, the people yeah. who like you won't like you." You know, what <laughs> yeah, I mean? it's real. And, it's real. and and really, man, like why why do we chase the things of the world? Usually, it's for the world's approval. You know, Galatians right. one ten. You know, it says like, "Am I now seeking the approval of man or seeking the approval of God?" Still seeking right. the approval of man can be called a servant of God. Can be a servant yep. of Yahweh. Yep. And so, you know, I was like, dude, whenever I would be out of sorts, you know, um, and leaning on things of the world to try and get me through, it's because yep. I was trying to seek the approval of yep. people. And yep. here I got this woman who who was sent from the Lord to affirm me, you know, it, it talked about, you know, when, when Adam, you know, uh, when, when God gave Adam Eve, he said, yo, it's not good that man's alone. I'm gonna give him a helper. Right. And we see later when, when, when Jesus ascends, you know, he says, Hey, don't, it's all good. Cause the helper's coming. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's this connection too, because we know that the Holy spirit is what's, was, was also helping us throughout life. That's what's sure. also, you know, we don't talk about it enough in, in, in church, but, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one that lost time speaking to us when right. we're thinking about going back to that sin. Mm-hmm. And, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt that my wife is my helper, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I texted her today and I was like, hey, babe, you know, I think you realize how much you've helped me through small bouts of, you know, whether it's depression, whether it's addiction, whether it's fighting the flesh, like your consistent presence and um, just how, how forgiving you are and how loving you are. Like that's been 
that's better than than anything because you're actually being that helper that God intended a wife to be, you know. Right. And so um, I, I can't I can't tell guys enough, man. Like, hey, man, make sure you get you a good life partner Ooh, because man, what's that one verse, man? It's like it'd be better to be better to live on the the roof of a house than to be with. That's a man. Right. <laughs> you know? Hey, I always say, look, man, your wife is your biggest asset or your biggest liability. Billy. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Boy, yeah. hey, ain't that the truth, though, man? You gotta be rich dad or poor dad, man. <laughs> hey, hey, that's right. You know, get you a good uh, asset. I'm with you. Oh man, this is great, Jordan. What about? Yeah. Okay, to wrap this up, man. What? What was your favorite route to run as a receiver, man? Oh. I know you. I know you run quite a few. And anytime I guarded you, you needed to have a double move or some sort of play action, something to try to get me to bite up so you could try to score on me in practice, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Well, well <laughs> look, for those of you listen, hey, you, you got to know, for those of you listen, Jordan was burning me all the time in practice. So <laughs> that, 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 that definitely wasn't happening. But what look, was your man, favorite route? What, <laughs> what was your favorite we, route? We used to look, so so for the for the people listening, I don't want to get too racial, but, you know, he um, – uh, Mario's white safety, point zero one percent of white right. safeties or DBs right. in the league. So That's we used right. to check to him. If we saw him in coverage, like, hey, we check white. Oh, yeah. You know? That's so he right. ended up wearing, I think you got to a point, you started to wear like black long sleeves and a black visor just so we would That's exactly what I did, bro. <laughs> hey, I had, I used to wear black long pants when we had days when they wouldn't have pants on. I have a black long sleeve. I was trying to get out of that 40 number because, man, you know, yeah, as yeah, soon as they see a 40 number, you away. especially on a white safety, like, oh, man, here we go. It's, hey, I like it, though, man. Hey, throw at me, man. It gives me more opportunity for plays. That's what I want. No doubt. No doubt. I would say, man, <laughs> we, we used to call it the sale route, you know, um, because we, we ran so many overs. You know, when I first got into um, when I first got into the league, I was running the Chip Kelly system, and we, we would always try and just use tempo to get people you know, um, uh, out leveraged. And so we usually run some type of run play to the left now play action to the left. And then we have boot to the right. And I ran so many over routes that yep. guys would start trying to jump them, whether it was in zone or definitely man coverage. And so then we put in the sale route where I'm selling the deep cross. And then I just break it back out to the corner. Me and Zach, I, I think we borderline perfected that route. That was actually the route that we won the game on, uh, in overtime. Versus the Cowboys in Dallas. Yep, yep. in Dallas. Yep, sold that. it, sold the over. I mean, good corner. And Byron Jones still getting paid, man. But just schemed it up. And so, what's funny is, you know, uh, I, I get a chance now to help teach my, uh, you know, the young receivers that I work with here now. You know, that route and kind of my mindset because Miles Austin, he really put the battery in my back, bro. When he came, yeah, man. he was like, he was giving me the tools. He was like, look, man, if I don't see that, if he, the DB don't see that shoulder. Go to the route, he's not gonna oh, fall. He ain't for doing it. it. He ain't gonna, doing he's not gonna fall for it. He ain't you know, doing it. People always talk about eyes, but you can do nah. this with your eyes and your shoulders nah. are still be facing upfield. He said, once yep. that DB feels that shoulder and that body lean going to the over, he said, You got him. And so, yep. you know, and it takes trust. It takes trust because you're, you're completely, you almost lose vision of the DB. Yep. But, um, but that's my that's my favorite one, man. You know, when I, I talk to, young guys a ton about that man because right now they're still trying to learn coverages they're still trying to learn the why behind football so a lot of things that coaches tell them you got you really do just have to trust it you know and i think i sent you that thing the other day about how um every single time that the word believe Mm -hmm. is in the bible in greek and in hebrew that word would have better been translated trust. And right. so, you know, people always say, I believe in God. 
I believe in Yeshua. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, cool. You can kind of, you can believe him, but do you trust him with your life? Mm. Yeah. It's different. Because I know a ton of people who say, I believe in a higher power. I, okay, right. well, but do you trust? Because right. once you say that, now I got to submit. Exactly. It's like, right. it's that old saying of, I don't have to just understand God. Because a lot of people try to understand God, this concept of an omnipotent being who exists outside of time and space that watches us, that affirms us, that loves us, that has a personality. Okay, you can try and understand that, but do you stand under it? Because right. once you stand under it, it's totally different. Now he's Lord. Yep. And, and that is a hard position to be in because every bit of our being is about gratifying self. Our default right. setting is, I got to make sure I'm good. I worship self. First thing I do in the right. morning, I look in the mirror. I get myself right. right. And right. so you got all these kids who come from, you know, schools, they were four-star recruits, you know, mm-hmm. three-star, they were the big man on campus. And now you're telling them, hey, trust this thing instead of relying on something you've been doing for right. years. Right. But you got to trust me. It okay. takes a ton to do it, man. And that's why, you know, I never, I'll be honest, you know, um, I did not ever see myself really as a coach, especially when I was playing. Because all you hear about is like, okay, they're, you know, they're pretty much running on coffee. They never see their right. family. This, <laughs> yada, yada, right. yada. And so I was like, hey, man, you know, so I actually started studying. I'm still studying in sports administration at Northwestern. And mm-hmm. so I'm thinking, okay, I know I want to be in sports. I know I want to be around college sports. So maybe the administrative route was more good, you know, for me. Man, I've had a chance to, to actually kind of be 10 toes down with the team, have a little bit of skin in the game, kind yeah. of like a volunteer receivers coach. And, man, bro, it is so gratifying. It's so funny, man. I see coaches lots of times walk around with a smug look on their face. I'm like, yeah. dude, if you didn't like it, you would not keep showing up. Exactly. Like, trust me, you know that there's something that pulls you back to this. And a lot of times it's more than the financials because they got a lot yep. of them got the money. They've been made the money. Yep. But it's what, I, it's what I think we're talking about right now. It's when you taking time to learn the game, study it, study it. You're like, I want to help this person get there by right. telling them to do something that's different for them. That yep. goes against everything they've learned, but now you got to trust it. Yep. And Man. when that kid trusts it and does it, that's when love starts to be built. That's when relationships start to be built. That's right. why so many people are like, oh man, my coach was the, was the person that had the biggest impact on me. It's, right, it's because right. of what we're talking about right now. And right. so I've been able to even experience that already within just a couple short weeks of a uh, of, of, of being around, you know, uh, football again in this capacity. So it's been yep. good, man. I'm having a good time. Do I, now, I don't know if this is going to be a career. You know, I kind of take it day by day, you know, just yep. trying to bloom, just trying to bloom where I'm planting, man. That's but, it. Uh, still training in case a call comes. You know, yep. I can play special teams. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Holler, That's holler right. Me, you know what I mean? Gunner, gotta, kickoff. Whatever you need, kickoff. Whatever you need. Throw, Speed throw, five, whatever. Hey, that's it. Whatever you want, Let's go. bro. You know? So, <laughs> but, but, yeah, man, life, life is good, man. We're blessed. I'm about to have my second child in December. Wow, man. That's exciting, man. You got, got a lot of great, great things going on, man. And, yeah. man, what a blessing it is to have you on and, and just share some of your stories and some of your insight. And, and uh, man, thank you. Thank you for your friendship. And, and thanks for being on with us, too. No doubt, bro. Love you, bro. All right. Love you, too, brother. If you'd love to interact with Nick and I, please reach out to our social medias. Our Instagram is at Mission of Truth. 
And our Twitter is at M of T underscore podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys and any thoughts or questions you guys have or comments. And thanks for tuning in.